This is Binghamton Now on News Radio 1290 WNBF Binghamton and WNBF.com. Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly cloudy today, high near 37. Cloudy skies tonight, low around 29. Wednesday will be mostly cloudy and a high near 40. A man who was working at the site of a future downtown Binghamton parking structure was injured when he reportedly became trapped under some concrete. The incident happened at the construction site near the Boscoff department store shortly before 3 p.m. on Monday. Police and fire units were dispatched to Water Street between Cord and Henry Streets. Initial reports at the scene indicated the trapped man was in a roof area about 35 feet above the street. The man apparently was freed by fellow workers within a matter of minutes. He was taken down a stairwell to Water Street where fire medics provided an initial evaluation. The injured worker was conscious and talking with police officers. He was transported to a hospital by a fire department ambulance. In recent days, workers have been removing sections of a closed parking garage above the store's men's department. Most of the deteriorating parking structure was demolished in 2022, but some portions along the north side of Boscovs were left in place. The work now underway is being done to prepare for the start of construction of the new parking garage. Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram on Monday announced the lockdown of 34 North Street following months of police activity, including multiple narcotics arrests and ongoing code issues at the problem property. Last week, a court judge order was signed locking down 34 North Street for the next 12 months. The property had been temporarily locked down since January 5th, pending a hearing, a full hearing in city court, which was held last Thursday. At that hearing, the property owners consented to the building's lockdown, agreeing with the city that 34 North Street is a public nuisance, having an adverse impact on the immediate neighborhood and upon the city of Binghamton in general. The city has been working to have the property locked down for months. In September, the city sent the property owners a letter deeming the property be a public nuisance under the city's property and building nuisance reform law, commonly known as the lockdown law. The property had accrued a total of 46 lockdown points for instances dating back to December of 2022. On January 29th, shortly before 1 p.m., police responded to assist the Cortland County Sheriff's Department at a residence on Homer Avenue in the city of Cortland. According to the New York State Sydney Barracks, State Police Sydney Barracks, gunfire was exchanged inside the residence. The person inside the residence sustained injuries and was transported to Upstate Medical Center. No officers were injured during the incident. The investigation is ongoing. Also from the New York State to police in Sydney, on January 25th, the Bureau of Criminal Investigation at Norwich arrested Francesco Bio of New Berlin for the misdemeanors of forcible touching and endangering the welfare of a child. An investigation revealed that on Sunday, January 21st, Bio appropriately uh, touched a, inappropriately touched a person under the age of 17. He was arrested and later arraigned before a judge. He's due back at the New Berlin Town Court on February 14th. Another local neglected building will soon meet the wrecking ball. 
According to officials from the Broome County Land Bank Corporation, the demolition will occur in the town of Fenton. Last year, the land bank acquired this Hillcrest area property at 65 Nolan Road in the town of Fenton. The property had been foreclosed due to non-payment of taxes. The property has been vacant for many years, resulting in neglect and structural issues and a neighborhood eyesore. The property was condemned structurally unsound by the Town of Fenton Code Enforcement Office. According to the Broome County Land Bank Corporation, other Broome County properties scheduled for demolition in the first part of this year include 282 Ransom Road in the Town of Shenango, 1363 Milbourne Drive in the Town of Conklin, 9037 Main Street in the Village of Lyle, and 1529 Natticoke Drive in the Town of Union. The cost of these five demolition projects totals 87500 The National Rifle Association's outgoing CEO acknowledged at a civil trial in New York City that he wrongly expensed gifts, travel, and other benefits to his organization. Wayne LaPierre testified for a second day Monday before a jury in Manhattan, which will decide if he violated the rules governing charities and nonprofits and should face financial penalties. The New York State Attorney General's office sued LaPierre and three co-defendants in 2020 over what it said was widespread misspending and alleged self-enrichment. Items they claimed he obtained against the interest of the NRA range included expensing more than $500,000 in private flights. LaPierre said ahead of trial that he would be resigning as head of the NRA effective Wednesday. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Big to Now for Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. Call us if you'd like to talk on the radio, 607-772-1290. I would love to speak with you this morning. Share a few thoughts, a few suggestions, a few tips about what's going on around here. It's a lovely Tuesday morning here in the Parlor City. Glad to have you with us. It's going to be an interesting day, as all days are around here. Our top local story, trouble at the parking garage project. As we've been reporting, a worker was hurt at the parking garage project at Boscov's on Water Street. And I don't believe any official information has been released about what happened. When it is, we'll let you know here. Keep you fully apprised. The name of the man who was injured Monday afternoon has not been publicly released. But we do have uh, some information. Our report 
from the scene is at WNBF.com. So if you want to learn more about what transpired at about 2.50 Monday afternoon on Water Street, on the north side of Boscos, you are certainly welcome to check it out. Essentially, a uh, man who was working at the site of the future parking garage was injured, apparently became trapped under some concrete. As far as the specifics, I don't know. Nobody with the police or fire departments or City Hall has released information on this. But when they do, when they do, we will relay the information to you. It's a major project. Of course, we uh, discussed it Friday when Mayor Jared Graham was here at the studio. We talked about the resumption of work at the parking facility. As you probably know, the original garage was torn down before it fell down. Fortunately, they managed to get it closed to the public before there was any major collapse, but things didn't look good for quite a while. I had to keep a close watch on that structure because after about half a century, it was in no shape to be used. So the old garage was torn down. Of course, there's been a series of delays in getting the new structure underway, but at least work is moving forward at this time. So we'll keep you posted on that. We'll continue to monitor. By the way, if you have information, confidential tips are always accepted. Bob at WNBF.com. Simply put in the subject line, confidential tip or something to that effect. Bob at WNBF.com. If you know what happens, if you have pictures, details, as they say, you see something, say something. Bob at WNBF.com. That way we can get the relevant information out to people who want to know. It's 913. Let's take a phone call. Good morning, WNBF. You're on the air. Did you say Tip? That's my middle name. I'm John Tip from Binghamton. Yeah. yeah. So what do you know about what happened at the parking garage Monday afternoon? Were uh, you over there? No, no, no. I was uh, doing other things. Uh, that's terrible. I mean, it and it <clears throat> the fact, uh, you know, hey, by the way, that was a good uh, appearance by Jared Cram. So he can talk. He has no problem talking. Uh, you would think uh, that they would address this immediately. I mean, uh, uh, I don't know. What are they trying to do? Get get stories straight or something? I mean, you know, you got a guy that's been injured uh, on this uh a parking ramp is this wasteful expenditure that nobody wants and uh you know <laughs> the mayor's hiding again you know so he's he it was a good performance here's the problem with binghamton uh the last <clears throat> four mayors maybe five uh uh are still trying to f- finish urban renewal you know uh 55 years later uh, that's the problem. There, there. In other words, the problem is not with Jared Cram, his party, his age, or anything. The the problem is he is fixated in, uh, on this quagmire of downtown Binghamton, and uh, you know that that's that that's it in a nutshell, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, 
another thing I'd like to talk about is what a great lady and what a rare find and lucky that she decided to throw her hat in the uh, ring is a Maria Sexton. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, the best of town supervisor, former NYPD yeah. cop. And now here it is less than a month since she has been. Uh, sworn in as town of Vestal supervisor, she may have saved countless lives from what could have been unspeakable, unspeakable carnage on the Vestal Parkway. Similar, perhaps similar to what we saw not that long ago, a head-on crash on Route 434 where two innocent people were killed. Uh, but more importantly is the smear campaign being waged uh, uh, by one individual against her. Uh, you know, it's like this guy lives in a glass house. Uh, you know, everybody knows it. And uh, he's throwing stones at, at Maria Sexton. Now, this thing, I think, is this. Look, here's the Schaeferism is not dead. It is deeply embedded. Uh, Schaeferism is the one that brought you $250,000 payment to, to Butler for who knows Chief Butler, who, who knows what that was for and where that money actually ended up. Uh, but Schaeferism, uh, among at least the 1,200 people, perhaps more, uh, is embedded in Vestal in all these places, these nooks and crannies of volunteer firefighters and uh, EMTs. Uh, uh, so it has to be extinguished. And uh, to let it fester and to let this guy, uh, who's got a lot, a lot of problems of his own, go into the media and and uh, 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 take posts off uh, that are critical of him. Uh, you know, he, he, he's got a, a lot of fish to fry himself, and I think he should just, uh, he doesn't realize how ridiculous he is. All right. Well, I appreciate your call. Thank you. That's John from Binghamton on this Tuesday morning. Here at News Radio WNBF. What's going to happen today? I always start the week or every day with that question. As soon as I wake up, first thing in the morning, I say, what is going to happen today? I think, what are a couple of stories I could report on? And then I come up, sometimes I come up with a list of a couple of stories or sometimes several stories that I hope to report on during a week. And then, depending on breaking news, we we can report on some things that are going on, some things that will happen. And then we also report on things as they happen, things that we could never anticipate. So we're here to you, here for you. We're trying to always get as much information to you as possible. By the way, WNBF brings you all the news you need to start your day Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 with Don Morgan, First News Binghamton. When you want the news, when you wake up, your instinct is to turn on WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, WNBF.com, WNBF app. Who knows, someday they'll have WNBF Plus with some of those special features that you crave. First News Binghamton, 6 to 9 weekday mornings. Local and regional news, national and world news from ABC. Business news. 
sports, health news, tech news, political news. Don Morgan has you covered every weekday morning right here on News Radio WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now. It is live and it is local. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Shop Toyota, Chevy, BMW, and pre owned at GaltAuto.com. Summer in the city. It's minus two Celsius. 28 Fahrenheit for those of you who cling tenaciously to that. Can't force us to use metric system. Well, I know. They tried. They tried in the 70s and it was clear the American public would have none of it. So, minus two Celsius for the 7.7 billion people in the world who enjoy the metric system in its simplicity. And then for the rest of us here, 333 million Americans, it's 28 Fahrenheit. I know. I thought, I thought when I was, uh, Working in the mid-70s at a station that was on the cutting edge of society, I really, really thought that we were going to go metric within a couple of years. But we learned a bitter lesson. Today, cloudy 37. Again, right now, minus 2 Celsius. That's 28 Fahrenheit. Hi, 933 or 923 at WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Ten minutes ahead of yourself there, Bob. Hey, good morning. It's Dave from Vestal. And a good morning to you. Yeah, thank you, Bob. Hey, you know, Bob, can I point out something that I observed yesterday? Um, you had a conversation, um, I believe it was that, that Tom from Endwell, and you guys were going at it back and forth, remember, about crime. He, he, he pointed out to you that uh, Trump was going to run on it. Um, because crime has run rampant across the country. And you made the point that it um, <clears throat> doesn't matter who's president because it's it's a state's issue, in which, you, you know, you're correct in saying that. But, Thank you. Thank you. for He, he, he opted not to acknowledge the truth. The painful truth is the president of the United States has zero. Let me rephrase that. Nothing to do with crime, whether it's in Binghamton, Chicago, or even in Timbuktu. The president has no control on crime, and that was one thing that Tom failed to acknowledge. But, right, Bob. And, and, but technically, technically, you're right. But Trump's going to run on it just because he, you know, he projects 
you know, the, the tough, he's tough on crime. Right, and because he wants to use the fear, he wants to use the fear factor, and he wants to try to appeal to the the scaredy cat element of the American electorate, those who are perhaps scared of their own shadow or those who are afraid to venture outside except between the hours of 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. I mean, it'll work to an extent. There's some people who actually believe that if he becomes president again, that somehow crime is going to go down or somehow they'll be safer in their own neighborhood. And nothing, nothing could be further from the truth. Right, but you know, you know. Also, what you're doing, though, Bob, using that logic, you are making a case that Biden should not be running on abortion because that's the same thing. That's a state's issue. It's from state to state. Doesn't matter. I didn't say he should or shouldn't run on the issue. I have said, and I believe this to be true. That many voters, some men, especially women, are going to use abortion as a key issue whether or not to vote for the Democratic or the Republican candidate. I didn't say whether Biden is still president a year from now that's going to protect women's rights. I didn't say that, but I, I will say, and this, the, the bigger picture even, the bigger picture when it comes to that specific issue and, of course, specifically uh, women voters is it could motivate them not so much about who they vote for uh, for president, but it could make a big difference who they vote for in Congress and also in local races for state races. So if you think life is tough now for Republicans in New York state. And we've seen that. It is tough for Republicans in New York State who have failed to win a statewide race in more than two decades. It ain't getting any easier because of that issue, even though one could say, well, New York women don't really have to worry much about their right to choose because New York politics being what it is, the, the right to choose is not likely to change any time in the next 100 years. But still, I'm saying... Overall, it could have an impact on the presidential race, and it could have a, a further impact on congressional and, and other races around the country. Then Trump running on crime could have an impact, too, because if you compared it to... I know. I Hey, I'm not saying it can't have an impact. He's playing on people's fears. And, and you could say, well, then so are the Democrats playing on women's fears that their rights are going to be infringed. Well, if that's that actually might be accurate. There are women in some states who already have had their right to choose taken away from them. So we see that it's that's actually happening as far as the fear of crime. Now, any logical thinking person could say, on January 30th of next year, even if RFK Jr. is president, crime is going to be the same in Binghamton and Biloxi. It has nothing, nothing at all to do with the president. Now, as far as how states choose for uh, their laws regarding abortion, well, that's where the other, the other races, the state legislature races, will be affected by this year's presidential election. So, but yeah, I... I'm not I'm not saying scaring people won't um, 
bring a few more votes to the Republican ticket. The question is, will the Republican ticket lose by 7 million votes, 10 million votes, 20 million votes, or will it prevail by 7 million or 20 million using the fear factor? Well, all politicians do it, Bob, but it's it's just something I had to bring up because it got me thinking. I'm thinking, well, you know, he's right. It, it's, it's got nothing to do with the president, but neither does the abortion issue. So I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, well, that's, I'm just saying that it, it the, both parties will use those issues to their greatest advantage, but thinking voters will will have to consider. They'll have to make a calculation. Does it make a difference? Does it make a difference looking ahead for the next four years who the president is with respect to crime in the streets or a woman's right to choose? But ultimately, again, the, the thing about the presidential election is motivating people. And that's why both parties can use those issues. And they probably will use both of those issues to a degree successfully to encourage people to vote. So at least we'll maybe get greater participation. Maybe. You know, voter apathy. Voter apathy, I think, is one of the most serious problems that we face right now as a nation. 607-772-1290. Fortunately, the people who listen to Binghamton now are engaged and involved and will think for themselves. And that's what's good about the program. We can hear from people who are thinking for themselves and sharing their opinions. Give us a call on this Tuesday morning. WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. Stay connected with us using the WNBF app. News Radio 1290 Texas border city on edge as the governor dials up a battle with the president. The story from WAPO, Washington Post. The border crisis has been reduced to a two and a half mile stretch named after a Confederate general. Dateline Eagle Pass, Texas. The story from the Washington Post. Reporter Relis Hernandez 
century and a half ago, Confederate General Joseph Orville Shelby splashed into the wild waters of the Rio Grande off this border city and fled to Mexico, refusing to surrender to Union soldiers. Now the park named in his honor has become a front line in a feud between the state and federal governments. A power struggle. With Governor Greg Abbott figuratively declaring war on President Joseph Biden. So you got that situation there. Texas National Guard Humvees carry rifle-toting troops and patrol newly erected gates to the park previously used for family cookouts and Independence Day festivities. Now the place is just, um, suffice it to say, it's no picnic. Take a look at the story, the Washington Post, WAPO. WAPO.com. Let's take some calls now at 937. Hey, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, you're on the air. Where are you calling from? This is Gary from the South Side. Morning, Gary. Welcome. Morning. I'd like to um, um, defend you a little bit, if I may. The um, Yesterday you had a caller that talked about the border and talked about inflation. And that was going to be a big deal. But AP story did a AP did a story yesterday, and the title of that story is President Biden has said he would shut down the U.S.-Mexico border if given the ability. Uh, what does that mean? So I want to quote the president on this uh, issue here, if I can. And here's what he says. He says, a bipartisan bill would be good for America and help fix our broken immigration system and allow speedy access for those who deserve to be here. And Congress needs to get it done. Biden said over the weekend, it will give me, as president, the emergency authority to shut down the border until we can get it back under control. If that bill were law today, I would shut down the border right now and fix it quickly. Quote, unquote. Now, on the inflation issue, um, you're right about that. I heard the word greedflation from you. And I looked that up, and yeah. sure enough, fifty-three uh, percent of all the inflation uh, was caused by corporate greed. Yeah, you know, you uh, know, some people thought I was making it up. I wasn't. No, that's true. Yeah. I, 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 you coined the word because I never heard greedflation. Yeah, before. I didn't. I can't take credit. I can't remember where I saw it first, but uh, there are some variations. I think greedflation is uh, is one of the most common. There've been some other words I think used, and. The thing about it is the companies that are engaged in it, and a lot of them are, including PepsiCo, the proud owner of the Frito-Lay plant here in Kirkwood, they're proud on their earnings calls. It's not a secret that the guys in charge are telling their shareholders, yeah, we have pricing power. And, you know, it used to be that companies would adjust their, their prices usually increasing prices, maybe once a year, which is to be expected. I mean, because costs typically do rise. But what happened with a lot of consumer products companies, I think PepsiCo, I believe Unilever, and probably, I think, Procter & Gamble, some of the biggest companies in America and in the world are are taking full advantage of the inflation that developed after the pandemic. And... I have to be careful here. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm holier than them. I, 
I have to probably concede if I were a CEO of some of these companies, I'd be tempted to do the same thing because they're supposed to serve first and foremost the shareholders, but they should be more honest about it. They should put in their ads, you know, at the final five seconds. By the way, you'll notice the prices of uh, our potato chips and soda will continue to rise for the foreseeable future. Just put that well, on because we can do it. Well, the uh, border, well, I'm sorry, but the um, the boardroom, um, they all understood that uh, they had a, a, a lot of brand loyalty out there. And they can raise prices based on a brand loyalty, but they also use the the COVID as a reason to uh, um, well and, and raise the prices. Up. Procter Gamble had an eight hundred million dollar uh, increase last year, you know, over the price of diapers. Oh, sure, and, that's uh, another also, good point. For you they, know, unfortunately they, they, for parents, they're being gouged with the prices, huge price increases for disposable diapers. And one of the things talk about another insidious form of inflation. Other than greedflation, shrinkflation, where people say parents who are buying diapers for their their poor babies um, say the box might have contained I don't know ninety six. Now it's down to seventy two. But well, but they've they've redesigned the box, so a lot of times the average person might not even notice they're getting less of a product for the same price. Well, the price of lumber went up during the pandemic, and uh, they use. Uh you know, pulp to make those diapers. And um, so the price increased considerably. So the, they raised the prices of diapers, not accordingly, but um, then the price of pulp went down and they did not decrease the prices to reflect the cost of lower raw materials. So, I mean, they're, they're laughing all the way to the bank. I mean, Chevron, their stock went from $87 to 160 you know, and the price of gas went up, you know, well, that's like another thing. Fun. The 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 oil companies talk about talk about raking it in. I think all the major oil companies wound up experiencing record profits in 2023, and they're loving it. They're oh, loving sure. it. You know, at the same time yeah. that they're griping about America's very slow, slow, slow transition over to electric vehicles, they're they're taking full advantage of my need and your need for for gas and oil and they're gouging us and and they're loving it well they're getting away with it the uh the other thing is that this is not biden's fault okay the border crisis you know and it's not you know the the caller said yesterday that uh how come we don't hear about biden's border plan border plan this is not biden's border plan this is a bipartisan this this is the republicans is a it's a bipartisan issue. They they put it together. Republicans and the Democrats have put it together. But now Trump is putting a, a stop on it, and it reminds me of way back when when Reagan was 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 um, you know uh, going against Carter. Now there's there's been and you you said one time that uh, there'll be more stuff coming out after you know the president leaves the presidency, and and sure enough, it does. But the information that came out after Reagan became president was that they called the Ayatollah in Iran and they said, hey, don't you let those hostages out before the election, because after the election, I'm going to be very favorable to you. This is Reagan. And the other thing about Reagan is that he's the one that coined Make America Great Again. Trump even stole that from him. You know, so. Yeah. Which, I, mean, I, just, I mean, I'm I'm not going to excoriate 
the former guy for appropriating the phrase. It's a, it's a clever catchphrase, and I'll be the first to admit, and I think I've said on the program before, there are hardly any original ideas left in the world. Almost all the good ideas have already been used, so I think everybody, whether it's elected officials or talk show hosts, uh, along the way appropriates, or some would say steals, other people's ideas or at least uses them to to build their own whether it's a program or a campaign so i'm not i i wouldn't look askance of of all the things that donald trump has done over the last 100 years that's relatively minor well you know uh john mentioned about urban renewal downtown binghamton and uh i have i have some big reports on that you know go all the way back to 1958 but um it's called the Valley Development, and the oh Blair, yeah, VDF Valley Development yeah, Foundation, Valley Development Co-op, Martin Normile, uh, everybody. But their their plan, which was the Blair plan, okay, to uh, re, you know to redo a downtown. Um, I just want to read one paragraph from. I have a huge study here, but here's just one paragraph I want to read to you. Before construction could begin, 234 buildings in Project One area and 52 buildings in Project Two area sites had to be demolished. Binghamton, that was uh, by the Binghamton Urban Renewal Agency report in 1968. Many of the 286 buildings were structurally sound, but impractical for, or small for a revived city. And this was a massive destruction of the Binghamton core. That's what happened to downtown. It, it got tore down. Yeah, downtown was decimated. And, it was and decimated. fortunately, it was, it was badly harmed. But even some other buildings, like the, um, the bank... That is just to the west of our building here on Court Street. That was targeted. Fortunately, they didn't get a chance to tear it down. There were other buildings, many other buildings that they wanted to tear down to make way for so-called progress. And fortunately, there were some people, some property owners and some business operators who managed to um, to block some of that stuff. But, but well, sadly, they, sadly, you know, we're still we're still paying for the sins of of the fathers of our city from from the uh, 60s. Actually, it got its start in the late 50s and continued well into the early 70s. You know, we're we're spending the last half century. We've been trying to fix what was destroyed by so-called urban renewal. Well, the urban urban renewal has been co-opted by. Well, still, I, I say the Valley Development Corporation is still, you know, is, uh, still running the show here. Now, when they first in, in started that, that was with, uh, you know, George Henman and uh, Warren Anderson. They um, all the they they were they were superseding the uh, um, the Chamber of Commerce because the Chamber of Commerce was was for small businesses, and they were de- relocating so many people and making them leave downtown Binghamton. There was a ton of small businesses. I could give you that information here right now, but um, well, sometime when you have a chance, just shoot me an email because I'd like to talk with you off the air about this. Uh, uh, send an email, Bob at WNBF dot com, and and some t- you know with your phone number. Sometime I'd like to talk further off the air because I'm fascinated by by what was going on in the '60s and early '70s here, and it sounds sounds as though you you are in a position to probably. Uh, educate me. On, I on do. Some, I, I yeah. have, I have a couple reports. I have also have a report that was done by Cornell uh, student study, 
it basically uh, said to how Binghamton was was co-opted by the uh, the Valley Development Corporation. Yeah. And don't even get me started on Mondev. Well, Mondev. Well, you know, I, here's the thing. I have a I have a big report, and I got it on. Um, I got I got two big reports, and I put them on USBs, and I'd be happy to drop you off a USB. Yeah, Which I'd is, appreciate that. But as okay. I say, also shoot me an email so sometime I might be able to give you a call if I have any sure. any questions because okay. you know, I hey, I I was uh starting in in the 60s and 70s I was starting to pay attention to the news, but I didn't pay attention as closely as as I I do now. And I look back on some of the news coverage back in those days and I just shake my head. I just shake my head that that uh People weren't able to save more of this city. I mean, fortunately, it wasn't totally destroyed, but you know, a lot, a lot of the key things, as far as businesses, commercial buildings, and residential buildings downtown, were lost. Well, they displ- yeah, they displaced a lot of people. At Hundreds. I, I, I have all this information, but yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I'll, uh, you know, call Thank you. station, leave my information. Thank oh. you much. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Okay. It's nine forty nine WNBF. Well, I said sins of the fathers. I'm not suggesting that the people who were leading Binghamton in the late 50s through the early 70s knew for sure that they were doing the wrong thing. Maybe they really thought they were doing the right thing for the future of the city. But those mistakes should serve as lessons going forward. So all the destruction that happened from urban renewal, in the end, caused more problems. Problems that we're still dealing with downtown and elsewhere in the city. It's 9.50. This is Binghamton Now on WNBF. WNBF live at 9.52 with Bob Joseph. Jim and Vestal, good morning. You're on the air. Morning, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. Just wanted to expand a little bit on that urban renewal. As uh, my uh, family owned a business that was on Wall Street, and uh, we were forced to move. And just wanted to point out, we didn't get any payment in lieu of taxes. We didn't get any handouts from anybody. We were forced to move. We moved to a new location. Then we prospered. What was the What was the business? It was uh, called Valley Welding Supply. All right. And what street was and it there located? Was other, there was other there was there was other businesses as well. Rose Unit Auto Parts was there. I think Robert F. Green Roofing was up the street. Uh, Gagne, uh, AF Gagne, everybody was, you know, everybody had to leave, and I don't believe any of us ever got, you know, 
uh, you know, uh, any benefit from the city or from the county to uh, move your move your business elsewhere, and you know you'll get a, a break on your taxes or anything else. So, so in, in it, retrospect, so you wound up, or the business wound up moving to Moore Street. That's correct. You're absolutely correct on a on an unpaved Moore Street, a dirt really? street that ran be, that ran between Belden and Jackson, and we had to wait. <laughs> I can't tell you how many years we had to wait to get. Uh, the street paved and gutters put in, so on and so forth. But you so managed. Was, you managed to get through it. We managed to get through it and survive for another thirty-five years. Correct. Yep. Okay. Well, yep. thanks for sharing so, that that story. I I uh, I would love to talk with other either people who had businesses or uh, now that so much time has elapsed, people whose families had had businesses and, and like to hear. Uh, what their actual experiences were, because at, at some point I'd, I'd like to put together some of the, the pieces of the urban renewal puzzle that you know that still lingers. Sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I can't. Re- I was. I can't remember. You know, all the other businesses that were on the <clears throat> the, ba- the backside of uh, of us, but we were all we were all gathered there along Wall Street and. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm sure I I, I, think I remember like Triple City's typesetting was on yep. Water Street there behind us and so on and so forth. Well, Jim, so thank you for thank you for sharing that that uh, situation oh. with us. Any any time, Bob. Well, listening to your show, and I think you do an absolutely fantastic job of of being a, a facilitator for this show, uh, and don't ever stop. Because I think you do a great job. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Have a great day. You too. It's nine fifty-five at News Radio WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Karen from Whitney Point. Yeah. What's up? Oh, am I on now? Uh, yeah. I just wanted to talk today about um, the border wall and all this uh, with all the immigrants. And I, I just want to say this is the most concerning thing that our you know just problem, ongoing problem. Uh, and I think everybody heard about it, and we could thank Biden. But I'm just sitting here thinking about it. When President Trump was our president here, he never finished the border wall. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. No, he start he started, and uh, only a little bit was ever completed. So here's where it is. They're all down in New York City, and I heard the other day that they're going to the parks because they have nowhere to live, so they're roaming all around. Serious problem down in New York City, and, and they're dropping fecal coliform stuff at the parks and I'm hearing all this negative stuff, and they're bringing diseases here, sicknesses, and we all got our COVID shots for what? You know, I, I, I just don't, I can't comprehend why, Bob, this is happening. When we are not taking care of our own homeless people, and, and they're getting food stamps, and they're eating better than some of us that were born and raised here, and uh, they're housing them in hotels, you know? When all is said at the end of the day, all the tax-paying dollars, where are they all going to? I don't know. It's not going to us. Appreciate your call. Yeah. Thank you. Work off for the day. We need to, everybody file your taxes and get out of New York State. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm staying. I, for one, am choosing to stay probably forever. We've got more coming up. Thanks for the first hour. More to come here on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media.
where news breaks first. News Radio 1290 WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF News. Mostly cloudy today, high near 37. Cloudy skies tonight, low around 29. Wednesday will be mostly cloudy and a high near 40. A man who was working at the site of a future downtown Binghamton parking structure was injured when he reportedly became trapped under some concrete. The incident happened at the construction site near the Boscoff department store shortly before 3 p.m. on Monday. Police and fire units were dispatched to Water Street between Cord and Henry Streets. Initial reports at the scene indicated the trapped man was in a roof area about 35 feet above the street. The man apparently was freed by fellow workers within a matter of minutes. He was taken down a stairwell to Water Street where fire medics provided an initial evaluation. The injured worker was conscious and talking with police officers. He was transported to a hospital by a fire department ambulance. In recent days, workers have been removing sections of a closed parking garage above the store's men's department. Most of the deteriorating parking structure was demolished in 2022, but some portions along the north side of Boscov's were left in place. The work now underway is being done to prepare for the start of construction of the new parking garage. Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram on Monday announced the lockdown of 34 North Street following months of police activity, including multiple narcotics arrests and ongoing code issues at the problem property. Last week, a court judge order was signed locking down 34 North Street for the next 12 months. The property had been temporarily locked down since January 5th, pending a hearing, a full hearing in city court, which was held last Thursday. At that hearing, the property owners consented to the building's lockdown, agreeing with the city that 34 North Street is a public nuisance, having an adverse impact on the immediate neighborhood and upon the city of Binghamton in general. The city has been working to have the property locked down for months. In September, the city sent the property owners a letter deeming the property be a public nuisance under the city's property and building nuisance reform law, commonly known as the lockdown law. The property had accrued a total of 46 lockdown points for instances dating back to December of 2022. On January 29th, shortly before 1 p.m., police responded to assist the Cortland County Sheriff's Department at a residence on Homer Avenue in the city of Cortland. According to the New York State Sydney Barracks, State Police Sydney Barracks, gunfire was exchanged inside the residence. The person inside the residence sustained injuries and was transported to Upstate Medical Center. No officers were injured during the incident. The investigation is ongoing. Also from the New York State to police in Sydney, on January 25th, the Bureau of Criminal Investigation at Norwich arrested Francesco Bio of New Berlin for the misdemeanors of forcible touching and endangering the welfare of a child. An investigation revealed that on Sunday, January 21st, Bio appropriately uh, touched a, inappropriately touched a person under the age of 17. He was arrested and later arraigned before a judge. He's due back at the New Berlin Town Court on February 14th. Another local neglected building will soon meet the wrecking ball. According to officials from the Broome County Land Bank Corporation, the demolition will occur in the town of Fenton. 
Last year, the land bank acquired this Hillcrest area property at 65 Nolan Road in the town of Fenton. The property had been forced closed due to non-payment of taxes. The property has been vacant for many years, resulting in neglect and structural issues and a neighborhood eyesore. The property was condemned structurally unsound by the Town of Fenton Code Enforcement Office. According to the Broome County Land Bank Corporation, other Broome County properties scheduled for demolition in the first part of this year include 282 Ransom Road in the town of Shenango, 1363 Milbourne Drive in the town of Conklin, 9037 Main Street in the village of Lyle, and 1529 Natico Drive in the town of Union. The cost of these five demolition projects totals 87500 The National Rifle Association's outgoing CEO acknowledged at a civil trial in New York City that he wrongly expensed gifts, travel, and other benefits to his organization. Wayne LaPierre testified for a second day Monday before a jury in Manhattan, which will decide if he violated the rules governing charities and nonprofits and should face financial penalties. The New York State Attorney General's office sued LaPierre and three co-defendants in 2020 over what it said was widespread misspending and alleged self-enrichment. Items they claimed he obtained against the interest of the NRA range included expensing more than $500,000 in private flights. LaPierre said ahead of trial that he would be resigning as head of the NRA effective Wednesday. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. Joseph, you're listening to Binghamton now on a Tuesday morning. It's January 30th. Coming up later this hour, we'll be taking more phone calls. So if you have things you'd like to talk about, don't worry. You'll have an opportunity shortly on our program at News Radio, WNBF 92.1 FM, 1290 AM. It's streaming at WNBF.com. We're joined in the studio by Mark Newman, good morning. Good morning, Bob. And welcome back. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me. Seems like a lot has happened at the Oakdale Commons since you were here a few months ago. A a lot has been going on at the site in Johnson City over the last, what's it been, a couple of years since the work actually got started? Yes, pretty much uh, the last year and a half we've been underway with the redevelopment of uh, the mall to Oakdale Commons. And I think back, I'm using as sort of a reference point 2020, right before COVID, and things looked really bleak at the place. I, I remember, um, the say, the spring of, of 2020, and the place looked, to me, it looked like it would be gone as a as a retail operation, probably soon. I didn't I didn't foresee any 
any uh, expectation of salvaging uh, what had been the Oakdale Mall for all those years, for close to 50 years. And now, in a period of less than four years, the place looks remarkably different. You've got a lot of people visiting the Oakdale Commons on a daily basis. Well, thanks, Bob. And we were uh, we were definitely concerned about what you what you just said. Uh, just being, you know, a local group, the uh, the partnership with with Matthews and and my brother and I. So we collectively looked at this and said, you know, let's try to see what we can do to to make this uh, turn this around and to you know didn't tear uh, uh, you know didn't want to have a tear down so to speak so uh we're really really proud of that and uh there's been a lot of activity and i uh you know i think uh the, you know Dick's house of sport obviously and Ed Stack and and his family making commitment uh to the project has uh, really been sensational and it's uh paved the way for um what's there today including the BJ's wholesale club that just opened officially on Friday, and that's a 99,000-square-foot store. You've been through it. I haven't been inside there yet. Give me an overview of of that store. Many of our listeners have been there, and I've heard some feedback. You toured the place, uh, I believe, Wednesday, just a couple of days before the grand opening. Give us an overview of, of the layout and basically how um, BJ's Wholesale Club is set up at the Oakdale Commons. Yeah, so the uh, my first impression, I haven't shopped it yet. Uh, I plan on doing that. It's been so busy, I just wanted to let it die down a little bit. But uh, I was really impressed by the layout, the way um, it's all put together and merchandised. The um, marketing and the way they're promoting things are done differently than some of the other wholesale clubs. They have a full-service deli. I was impressed by that. They have – not everything is large bulk. There's smaller items, smaller grocery items. The uh, signage throughout, very easy to work your way through the store and see where things are at. The colors are very bright. Uh, so, yes, it's a wholesale club, but I do think there's some distinct differences that people will see uh, when they get there. I haven't looked at pricing because I wasn't there to shop. I think it's remarkable. About 11 months ago to this date, I was out there, it was the end of February, February 28th, and I remember how cold it was. It was blustery. And the demolition work of the old Fowler's building, which was not, not quite as big as what the new building is. I think Fowler's might have been 80,000 square feet and this, uh, BJ's wholesale club is about 19,000 square feet bigger but i remember thinking it's amazing probably will be happening over the next several months but it was hard to envision as the crews were taking down what originally was the follower store and then bonton uh it was hard to envision what was going to happen at that site on the east side of oakdale commons in less than a year it was really fascinating uh because the store itself, and you're right, right on with the square footage of Fowler's Bonton. But what needed to happen to put the jigsaw puzzle piece into that mall was was really quite remarkable. And it involved, uh, of course, the teardown, 
but also demalling a section of the mall. If you're inside the mall, you'll see a big blank wall that, that eventually at some point will be opened up for smaller retail stores. But they were existing stores at one time. We demalled the back. We had to uh, move high voltage lines, uh, new corridors, fire systems, roofing systems. Uh, it, it was it was really it was really quite amazing. So um, and we were able to fit it in there, and it looks like it once it looked like it's always been there and belonged. Strikes me that everything that that transpired from the from the demolition, clearing the site, and then the construction, it took so much coordination. I'm just as as a person who just observes. And has seen some things like this. I, I'm always amazed that it it pulls off because so many different parties had to be involved, including the government financing and the other aspects of the financing package because these things don't happen without the money component. But then you have to coordinate to get approvals, get the regulatory approvals, whether it's from the village or other entities. And then the businesses have to agree to all sorts of, of terms. I can't even begin to fathom everything that had to happen to get everything in place to to make possible the opening of the store last Friday. Yeah, so uh, this definitely falls uh, in the category of every deal is an ordeal. There was, there was a, a lot of moving parts. Uh, tremendous team effort and, uh, and that really uh, from from the Newman Group, the Matthews Group, the construction people, the site people, the municipalities, everything you said, Bob. But really, the bottom line and and the and the takeaway, I think, from all this. And and I was actually at a meeting earlier, and I said this, and I mean this. I've worked in different municipalities, different areas in the country, mostly in the Northeast and Mid Atlantic through the years. I have to say, we're really lucky in in this in this community. To have the people, the government, the Broome County, the Village of J.C., Towny Union, uh, and, and the state, the DOT, and so on and so forth, and um, to that really got behind this, the IDA. I mean, so many people got behind this. Kathy Connerton, great vision. Uh, you know, it's just it, it. We really should be proud. Forget about the fact that, yeah, it, it, it got done, it, it benefited, you know, I think it benefited the community, it's obviously benefited the developer that we were able to get the tenants in there because they knew we had momentum to get it done. But that would have never happened with all the parties that I mentioned and probably left a few out. There's other agencies involved, uh, DOT, DEC, all, but, you know, without their help and their vision and the fact that they want that they wanted this for the community forget about it if this thing went on for years and years can you imagine the demise of that project and that was what seemed likely to happen i think because we had seen the stories of of malls across the country just withering and dying with essentially no hope for the immediate future one thing about the bj's wholesale club that is not open yet, but it still ultimately is going to be a significant attraction to people who are members of of the uh, club will be the gas station component. I know that's not quite ready. That's right. There's uh, and, and that is one aspect of it that sort of is out of our control. 
we um, not not that it would have changed things, but that was not something that I was directly involved with. BJ's really has their own contract or vendor that handles that. Uh, but there will be 16 gas pumps, from my understanding. Uh, it's all approved. There was permitting they had to go through. It was really a timing issue with permitting and some other things. And then what happened was we had this beautiful, mild winter, and it got really cold, and they weren't able to pour concrete. There's testing that goes into once the gas is in the tank. So I think they're well on their way, and hopefully very soon it will um, it will be open and operating, and I believe everyone will really be happy. It's a real, I think, a real amenity to the store. And certainly that's part of their business model. That helps the, the membership discount, helps to attract people and, and reinforce loyalty to the company. Absolutely. I agree. What's next at the Oakdale Commons? I know... I know uh, there will be another big opening coming soon in, in perhaps the next several weeks? It won't be in the next several weeks. I think you're referring to Dave & Buster's. Dave & Buster's is underway. It will probably be sometime over the summer. Uh, that's not a delayed schedule. That's just the schedule. It'll be sometime. Uh, I don't you know, I don't know exactly opening dates and can't speak for them, but sometime probably during July, perhaps, maybe a little sooner, maybe a little later, but somewhere in that time frame. And that is uh, a 25,000-square-foot facility, and um, it uh, I think it's going to be very, very well-received. I know that we are all excited. We've received a lot of... Uh, a lot of emails and calls from people that are very excited. I know the company is excited. So I think it's just one more uh, one more addition to this dying project that's going to bring new life. It's going to be up near the Wellness Center on the north side, which is gorgeous. Uh, you know, again, kudos to, to, to Kathy and, 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 and the Matthews team and everyone involved in that. And uh, so our hope is to advance this over to the west side with more uh, non, perhaps non-retail related. I can't get into too many specifics right now, but we are looking at the old Burlington, and uh, we went in for um, approvals, um, I don't know, a couple months ago or so for uh, some infrastructure work that we're going to be doing out there. You know, it's like being in two different worlds. If you're on the east side and the north, uh, east side and south side, it's all repaved and new lighting and everything else. That's our goal for the west side. So has there ever been any consideration of a residential component for Oakdale Commons? We've looked at some different opportunities there, and I won't say there's anything. I know it sounds uh, like can't confirm or deny, but no, it's uh, it's something that we have looked at, will continue to look at, and I will say that, yes, it's a possibility at some point. Not right this second, though. But, and it, it has been tried elsewhere around the country, it sounds as though it's something that potentially could be viable. Yes, absolutely. As far as the south side, a lot of people have noticed, of course, Panera is open, and then uh, you have the other restaurant that opened, Chipotle, and people keep saying, well, there's certainly room for another restaurant at some point in the future. And you know, you uh, I don't know how many times a week or a month you get the question. So Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A, everybody has, has focused on the potential and, and the possibility that Oakdale Commons would be a good potential location for the first Chick-fil-A restaurant in the Binghamton market. 
Yeah, I don't know what their plan is, whether it would be first or second or third or fourth or fifth or how many they're going to do. I think we'll probably need to set up a Chick-fil-A hotline because it is the most requested. It's amazing. Uh, but, you know, uh, I, I, I guess I'll answer it by saying and it's one of, one of those things, again, I can't confirm or deny, but I, I will say that there's definitely interest on the developer's part to have them there. Uh, and um, it's going to be up to them to make a commitment to Broome County. So hopefully that will be down the road, and hopefully they end up at Oakdale Commons because we'd like to see them there. And as we've pointed out, I think, on the air in the past, whether it's when you were here before or perhaps in other conversations, maybe with the Johnson City Mayor, Key Bank at this time has a lease, I believe, that runs through the end of this year in the southwest corner at the Oakdale Commons. Is that correct? Yeah, well, I can't really talk lease specifics. Uh, they are going to be there for a while. So they're not going anywhere, at least in the short term. They're they're in place. They are in place, and they do have a lease. And we've made some improvements out there, so it doesn't look, you know, it looks, it looks nice. You anticipating any other major announcements about the Oakdale Commons over the next few months? Yes, I do. Uh, hopefully it all works out and we get everything inked, but yes, I do. And our, our, our goal, fingers crossed, we're working very extremely hard to make that happen. And uh, I will say that our plan is on track with respect to a full mixed-use facility. Uh, so I'm not anticipating big announcements with regards to retail, but we have some other things happening, and um, we're we're really working hard at it. Is that something that's imminent? Gosh, I hope so. Uh, I really do. I, I know that sounds like you know vague. Um, I I think so, um, and it looks that way. But I always say, until it's done, it's not done. And as we say on the radio, stay tuned. Stay tuned, absolutely. Because I'm sure at the appropriate time, we'll hear about it and we'll probably talk with you specifically after the I's have been dotted and the T's have been crossed. Yes, absolutely. As far as the overall projects, redefining the property, what had been the Oakdale Mall and is now Oakdale Commons, percentage-wise, about how far along overall in this transformation uh, would you would you estimate it? What would you put it at? So the transformation, I think, is pretty much on track on where we expected it. If I had to put a percentage as where we are today, you know, uh, let you know, just saying that everyone stays in place. Uh, let, for example, you know, uh, an anchor store, a J.C. Penney, or someone doesn't close. We're not anticipating that. There's no rumor of that. I just throw that out as if as as it is today. I would say we're probably, you know, on square footage wise, we're probably. Yeah, I'm just throwing out a number, eighty percent there. On cost wise, we're probably sixty percent there. If that makes sense. Yeah. What do you think the total cost of the entire transformation from Oakdale Mall to Oakdale Commons ultimately is going to wind up being? So, again, it depends on a few factors, like you mentioned housing. You know, so there's some there's some things out there that may not be uh, in the total number at this point, but I would say we're probably going to be somewhere in the. 130 to 150 million dollar range. When do you think this will be done? 
Um, I think the majority of majority of it will be done probably in two thousand. Hopefully by the end of two thousand twenty-five, but with a couple of caveats. Uh, when KeyBank leaves, someone will go there. That could linger into twenty-six. Housing um, could happen also at a later date, but we're really hoping the majority of this project is completed by the end of 25. Mark Newman, thank you for the update. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. We really appreciate the community support. It's been a lot of fun and uh, very encouraging. We're live and local on a Tuesday morning. I'm Bob Joseph. You're listening to Binghamton Now on WNBF. From the Galt Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Reserve your new Toyota at Galt Toyota. WNBF at 10.32, live and local, the information that you're looking for, 607-772-1290, and we'll take uh, your calls if you have thoughts about about anything going on around here. I love the Binghamton area, <laughs> even, even in January, even in January, there is so much happening around here, that's why I... Love reporting on WNBF and WNBF.com, and I always look forward to this program where I can ask a few questions. On behalf of you, here's the forecast from the National Weather Service. Cloudy today, high 37. Cloudy tonight, low 29. Mostly cloudy tomorrow, high 40. And Thursday, we finally get some weather action. Meteorologist will come back to life on Thursday. Cloudy skies, a chance of snow showers in the morning, rain and shower, uh, rain and snow showers midday, and then rain showers afternoon. The high on Thursday, 41. And then looking forward uh, to the weekend, even though it's still early, believe it or not, at this stage, sunny. Sunny and relatively nice for the first weekend of February. Saturday and Sunday, sunny with highs in the upper 30s. Right now in downtown Binghamton, it is 29, minus 2 Celsius. For those of you who can understand the concept of Celsius at News Radio WNBF. Let's see what else is going on. Hmm. Oh, I'm just noticing this. Huh. A um, a person who had served as uh, a spokesman for Governor 
George Pataki and also for Syracuse University has died. Kevin Quinn. Kevin Quinn died a few days ago, according to Syracuse.com. According to his obituary, he was a communications leader known statewide and nationally as an expert on higher education, leadership, political, and crisis communications. Um, He served as a time for George Pataki as press secretary. Kevin Quinn managed the day-to-day operations, and I believe when George Pataki was governor, I had the opportunity to speak with Kevin Quinn Probably only once or twice, but I I seem to recall that I did have uh, some contact with Kevin Quinn when he was working for Governor Pataki. So that's uh, a passing, a passing of note. Let's see, what else uh, are they reporting there in Syracuse? Hmm. Well, here's another story of interest uh, regarding development. A car dealership is facing a lawsuit and fines after cleaning up an ugly industrial property without seeking the approval of the city of Syracuse. This involves the McGuire family of dealerships, according to Rick Moriarty's story at Syracuse.com. McGuire tore out a thick hedgerow of trees and bushes along Harbor Brook while sprucing up a long vacant industrial property not far from their Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram dealership last spring. So it says McGuire planted new grass and trees on the property, resulting in a strikingly improved appearance of the site along the east bank of a brook. But there's a problem that goes beyond basic landscaping, according to Syracuse officials. According to the story, the dealership did the work without first figuring out whether it would cause soil erosion and possibly create more polluted drainage into Harbor Brook, which flows into Onondaga Lake. So now, the city of Syracuse is suing McGuire, claiming the company failed to obtain permits to remove the hedgerow along the brook. So even though, apparently, they have managed to improve the way things look, apparently, since they didn't give or didn't receive approval, now they're in big trouble. And I see um, Syracuse.com on its story has included a couple of photos from Google Maps that show the before and after. And it's clear to me from those images that the changes that were made improved the way the property looks. But when we, in our conversation with Mark Newman, we touched on uh, some aspects of when you're doing any project. You need to get lots and lots of approvals. It could be local government approvals. Sometimes things have to be run through DEC or DOT, the state agency. Sometimes, depending on the situation, you have to run things through maybe even the federal government. 
So there you go. That's the story uh, from Syracuse. I'm sure the people at the car dealership, they're probably saying, well, look, we we actually did a good thing. We took something that looked terrible and now have turned it into something that looks nicer. Probably thinking, no good deed goes unpunished. But, you know, in fairness to the city of Syracuse, the regulations exist for a reason. So, and if, if for some reason they circumvented the appropriate process, well, there's probably a price to be paid. It's 1039. This is Bob Joseph, a voice of reason on the radio. 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, WNBF, WNBF.com. <laughs> Hi, 1042. Feel free to call if you want. Uh, public relations, PR, especially when you um, have something you want to convey uh, and you need the media, well, then you have to call in um, all the reporters. That's what Boeing is doing. They're trying to deal. If you noticed, Boeing is trying to deal with problems with their um, 737 MAX program. Oh, boy. Wouldn't give their problems to a monkey on a rock. Uh, Everything that Boeing seems to be doing lately just hasn't worked out well. So you know things are bad when they get so desperate for good public relations, good a good news story, that they call in a network, a network correspondent and the network cameras to go on a tour of their uh, facility. So that's what Boeing did They in Washington. I call it a PR blitz, a PR blitz. So I was looking at the TV this morning, my bowl of oatmeal. And uh, I see Chris Van Cleve from CBS News. They say he's the senior transportation correspondent. They allowed him not only to get inside the Boeing facility with his camera crew, but also to get inside a 737 MAX 9 next to the door plug, something similar to the one that mysteriously blew out of the Alaska Airlines 
737 MAX a few weeks ago. I guess you've heard the story by now. <laughs> I'm just thinking to myself, oh, you know, you know you're desperate when you actually give a network correspondent and his camera crew permission to come inside. So, well, you think your job is tough. Imagine you're in charge of the Boeing PR team trying to figure out how are we possibly going to salvage our reputation after everything that's happened? So I wish them the best. You have to watch out if you're on a public relations team, for example. And I know this has nothing really to do with what's going on with Boeing, trying to figure out how they move forward after so many problems. But when it comes to corporate PR... I shall never, ever, ever, <laughs> ever forget what happened about 15 years ago. You remember Lockheed Martin and Owego, and they invited a bunch of reporters. For some reason, I was invited to this, but for some reason, I opted not to go. I think mainly because I thought it was going to be more of a photo op. I didn't know they were going to let reporters drive their truck, their big prototype military vehicle, if I'd known they were going to let us drive the joint light tactical vehicle on the test track in a go, of course I would have gone. Who wouldn't go? And uh, so in August 2009, they invited, I think it was primarily TV people. I don't know, I don't think anybody from the newspaper was there, but maybe somebody was. So you've got the probably three TV stations, maybe... I think probably a total of four because the uh, the highlight the highlight of this special media event in Owego was when Neil St. Clair of News 10 Now back when they had a bureau in Vestal and actually covered a lot of local news in Broman Tioga counties Neil St. Clair was allowed behind the wheel of the unflippable JLTV the joint light tactical vehicle and the guy in charge of the program with Lockheed Martin said specifically just minutes before these vehicles are very hard to tip over well as if to prove that claim was incorrect Neil St. Clair got behind the wheel and on the test track he flipped it over real good flipped it over real good According to the story, uh, going back to August 2009, Neil St. Clair, as well as a photographer in the passenger seat and a Lockheed Martin test driver who was riding in the back, sustained minor injuries, the um, people at News 10 Now did their best to cover this up. I don't understand why. There must have been something. There must have been something. The management at News 10 Now, which was then owned by the Time Warner cable people. They must have had some sort of agreement to keep details of the whole thing secret because they never, ever really reported the whole story. Nobody ever really did. And then ultimately, that whole program sort of just evaporated. But Lockheed Martin had big hopes for landing a 
government military contract for the JLTV, Joint Light Tactical Vehicle. And it didn't help matters to see the video. Fortunately, Fox 40 did a pretty decent story about it. I don't know that they actually got video of it flipping over. They got the immediate aftermath. So you saw all the dirt flying up. And uh, again, as the Lockheed Martin vice president said, those vehicles are, quote, very hard to tip over. But Neil St. Clair, intrepid reporter for News 10 Now, proved, you know, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. And I'm ambivalent, even 15 years later. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. In hindsight, knowing what happened, knowing that they were offering free rides and letting reporters drive this thing, reporters who had absolutely no experience, I'm not sure that it would have been a good thing if I had gone because if Neil St. Clair hadn't flipped it, I probably would have. And I'm I'm not so sure I could have kept quiet. They probably, right, Lockheed probably would have said, Bob, whatever you do, here's, here's some cash money. Will you sign this agreement, a non-disclosure agreement, and agree never to talk about this again? And I would have trouble with that. They would, you know, there'd be a, a lot of pressure. I'm sure there'd be pressure from Lockheed Martin. There'd probably be pressure from corporate here. Now, Bob, we know this is maybe to you, this is kind of newsworthy, but to us, we've talked to the people at Lockheed Martin. We we think the best course of action right now is to pretend that nothing happened, okay? So it's probably just as well that I uh, declined uh, the invitation. Uh, <laughs> oh, and I'm not minimizing. Of course it was... It was sad that, again, the silver lining is nobody apparently was seriously hurt. But still, the mystery lingers. Nearly 15 years later, Neil St. Clair, who was the reporter, uh, the guy who was in charge of the program, whose name I won't release because of HIPAA, and the photographer for News 10 Now, plus the Lockheed Martin test driver, apparently they've all agreed not to ever say anything about what happened on that fateful mid-August day in 2009. But man, man, I wish I knew the rest of the story. It's 10.51. This is Bob Joseph, live in living color on WNBF. can't tip it over, Bob. Don't worry. It's virtually untippable. Morning, WNBF. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hi, Bob. How are you doing? Great. How are you, Beverly? Oh, I'm doing I'm doing better. My, uh, my relative's gone to dialysis three times a week, but uh, they're, they're a little weak, but 
Well, the doctor said that they may improve, but the dialysis, so I'm happy about that one. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear it. Otherwise, how are things oh, in the... I finally got yeah. my radio. You got a radio and finally with, with a battery. Nope. Well, it's got batteries as well as, uh, you know, where you can plug it in a wall. Yeah. And <laughs> you're going to laugh when I tell you this. I, I, of all the things, of all the colors that... That were chosen. I had to pick. I had to pick out the pink one. You got a pink radio, like the Barbie radio. I don't know. I it looked it looked nice. So I decided to buy it. I got it from Walmart. Well, uh-huh. and was it a good deal? Yeah, All it right. was a regular a re- regular fifty dollar radio, and I got it for thirty four ninety nine. All right. So, but I, uh, of course, I, I had paid tax on it. Yeah. And I got a three-year warranty on it. Didn't even have to pay for it. Well, that's good. So what other colors were there besides pink? Oh, uh, there was like um, light gray, and then there was like a black one, and uh, there was a green There was a green one, but it then appealed to me. And then my great-granddaughter was here. She go, gimme's. She said, why don't you pick this one? So I picked the pink one. Ah, okay. Well, that explains it. Well, I might get one. I might get well, one. Well, Bob, they're real, ni- they're real, real nice. They really, really are. You know, I mean, uh, you know, well, geez, that one that was, that my sister had, she said, had said, well, she's in heaven now, but she got it in 1983. So it lasted a good while. Well, the good things about radios, for some reason, radios seem to last. I don't know why it is, but radios, they still, the radios that they still make actually are designed to last. Whereas most of the time, say you buy stuff these days like a TV or a washing machine or a smartphone, well, they don't last. A, uh, a washer and a machine that we've had since 1979. And it's still running. Well, hang on to it. Hang on to it. What I've heard lately are people who buy the new washing machines and dryers and some of the other, even kitchen appliances, stoves and ovens, they're having all sorts of problems because they have lots of gizmos. They have have electronics. uh, uh, One of my friends had a dryer and... uh, Oh, she had it a couple of years and she said, she asked me a... If I wanted it, and I, I said, what are you selling it for? She goes, nothing. So I've had that, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 years. It still works. Well, that's good. But as I say, a lot of the stuff, for some reason, with all the new technology, and and now they have washers and dryers that you can program, I guess, Yeah, they, have, they like- have washers and dryers that are on one top. The washer's on top. And the dryer is on the bottom. I don't think they want that one. Well, it depends um, in terms of how much space you have. Because in some cases, people might have, um, say, one of these apartments. I think that's how they were set up when I went on the tour in Johnson City at Victory Lofts at uh, the apartments, at least the model apartment. I think that's how they had it set up because it helps to conserve space. So you have your little laundry area. And you don't have to use that much space 
compared to what it would be if you had the the well, units side by side. My daughter's got one of them, but yeah, I don't. Her ceilings are a lot higher than mine. Mine right. are only eight feet, and I think hers are ten. Yeah. Well, I'm a traditionalist. I I like things the way they always were. Appreciate your update. Glad things are going uh, pretty good for you so far this morning. Okay. Bye, bye, dear. Thanks. It's Beverly from the town of Dickinson, part of the WNBF family. Stick around. We have more coming up. I'm Bob Joseph. This is Binghamton Now. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221EJ Binghamton, a town Where news breaks first. News Radio 1290, WNBF. This is News Radio 1290, WNBF News. Mostly cloudy today, high near 37. Cloudy skies tonight, low around 29. Wednesday will be mostly cloudy and a high near 40. A man who was working at the site of a future downtown Binghamton parking structure was injured when he reportedly became trapped under some concrete. The incident happened at the construction site near the Boscoff department store shortly before 3 p.m. on Monday. Police and fire units were dispatched to Water Street between Cord and Henry Streets. Initial reports at the scene indicated the trapped man was in a roof area about 35 feet above the street. The man apparently was freed by fellow workers within a matter of minutes. He was taken down a stairwell to Water Street where fire medics provided an initial evaluation. The injured worker was conscious and talking with police officers. He was transported to a hospital by a fire department ambulance. In recent days, workers have been removing sections of a closed parking garage above the store's men's department. Most of the deteriorating parking structure was demolished in 2022, but some portions along the north side of Boscovs were left in place. The work now underway is being done to prepare for the start of construction of the new parking garage. Binghamton Mayor Jared Cram on Monday announced the lockdown of 34 North Street following months of police activity, including multiple narcotics arrests and ongoing code issues at the problem property. Last week, a court judge order was signed locking down 34 North Street for the next 12 months. The property had been temporarily locked down since January 5th, pending a hearing, a full hearing in city court, which was held last Thursday. At that hearing, the property owners consented to the building's lockdown, agreeing with the city that 34 North Street is a public nuisance, having an adverse impact on the immediate neighborhood and upon the city of Binghamton in general. The city has been working to have the property locked down for months. In September, the city sent the property owners a letter deeming the property be a public nuisance under the city's property and building nuisance reform law, commonly known as the lockdown law. The property had accrued a total of 46 lockdown points for instances dating back to December of 2022. On January 29th, shortly before 1 p.m., police responded to assist the Cortland County Sheriff's Department at a residence on Homer Avenue in the city of Cortland. According to the New York State Sydney Barracks, State Police Sydney Barracks, gunfire was exchanged inside the residence. The person inside the residence sustained injuries and was transported to Upstate Medical Center. No officers were injured during the incident. The investigation is ongoing. 
Also from the New York State to police in Sydney on January 25th, the Bureau of Criminal Investigation at Norwich arrested Francesco Bio of New Berlin for the misdemeanors of forcible touching and endangering the welfare of a child. An investigation revealed that on Sunday, January 21st, Bio appropriately uh, touched a inappropriately touched a person under the age of 17. He was arrested and later arraigned before a judge. He's due back at the New Berlin Town Court on February 14th. Another local neglected building will soon meet the wrecking ball. According to officials from the Broome County Land Bank Corporation, the demolition will occur in the town of Fenton. Last year, the land bank acquired this Hillcrest area property at 65 Nolan Road in the town of Fenton. The property had been forced closed due to non-payment of taxes. The property has been vacant for many years, resulting in neglect and structural issues and a neighborhood eyesore. The property was condemned structurally unsound by the Town of Fenton Code Enforcement Office. According to the Broome County Land Bank Corporation, other Broome County properties scheduled for demolition in the first part of this year include 282 Ransom Road in the Town of Shenango, 1363 Milbourne Drive in the Town of Conklin, 9037 Main Street in the village of Lyle, and 1529 Natticoke Drive in the town of Union. The cost of these five demolition projects totals 87500 The National Rifle Association's outgoing CEO acknowledged at a civil trial in New York City that he wrongly expensed gifts, travel, and other benefits to his organization. Wayne LaPierre testified for a second day Monday before a jury in Manhattan, which will decide if he violated the rules governing charities and nonprofits and should face financial penalties. The New York State Attorney General's office sued LaPierre and three co-defendants in 2020 over what it said was widespread misspending and alleged self-enrichment. Items they claimed he obtained against the interest of the NRA range included expensing more than $500,000 in private flights. LaPierre said ahead of trial that he would be resigning as head of the NRA effective Wednesday. That's a look at news. For updates on local news, weather, sports, and features, open up the WNBF app and online at WNBF.com. This is News Radio 1290 WNBF. I'm Bob Joseph. It's Binghamton Now on your Tuesday morning live on WNBF. I can feel it on the back of my tongue. All of the words getting trapped in my lungs. Heavy like a stone waiting for the river to run. If you must. <laughs> if you must. 607-772-1290. The Flash apparently official. RFK Jr. Bing, bong, boom. 
ding dong dong. A news alert. RFK Jr. and Donald Trump. Perfect together. The uh, flash is uh, seen on the New York Post website. RFK Jr. says Trump teen has uh, reached out about being the uh, guy's uh, vice president despite a denial. So there you go. Here's your ticket. That's the ticket. Trump and RFK Jr. Yeah, that'll that'll uh, easily, easily. I give them at least 25 million more votes over Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Hi, WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. It's, uh, uh, yeah. You're calling about Donald Trump again, you. Yeah, I can't help it. Did you hear? RFK Jr. says the Trump team has reached out about him being the vice president. Who is this, Tommy? No, Larry. Oh, it's Larry from Kirkwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, I was thinking of Larry from the Villages down in Florida, that one. <laughs> whoever that is. Yeah, yeah, whoever that might be. Anyway, what's going on in Kirkwood, Blair? Well, I just wanted to comment on Beverly, who called just before the hour ended. I love to hear that gal talking. She's just a sweetie. Oh, my goodness. She's uh, the best. Yeah, she's a sweetheart. Uh, yeah, you know, she was saying uh, about... Uh, had a radio or something that lasted her 20, 20 years or something like that. I've had a radio now in my bedroom. I bought just like probably a year or so before my mother died, and she died in 2003, and it still works good. I mean, the, the tape feature... The tape feature and the CD on it doesn't really work anymore, but, but uh, at least the radio works, so... I use it. Yeah. Yeah, as I said, uh, for some reason, radios, even today, radios seem to be built to last. Maybe maybe because when you think about it, when it comes to technology, radio is still relatively simple. I mean, it's important. It's important to everybody on the planet, but it's still a pretty simple, basic technology. So I guess that might be one reason when you buy a radio you could probably expect it to last longer than most everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I want to give a shout-out to the to the person who helped me get that radio, actually. I remember I was, uh, I think I was in Boscons when I got that. And I I was doling out money to, to buy the radio, and I didn't have enough money. And this fellow came up, and he paid the difference for me. So wherever you are, sir, thank you. I've enjoyed that radio all these years. <laughs> oh, that was nice. Yes, it was. Yeah. Well, sometimes, I haven't done it when somebody is buying a radio, but sometimes, say, at a grocery store, if I see somebody, they're like, they bought, or they, their items rang up to 32 bucks, and all they have is 25 bucks. Sometimes I, I'll give them a... Uh, few bucks to make up the difference because i always always think it's sad you know you you were planning to buy some stuff and then it, it comes and then they you have to figure all right out of the eight things i picked up what's the one i can do without so so i if i see something like i don't i'm sure i don't always notice it but sometimes i'll try try to help 
Because I always yeah. wish, say, if the same thing happened to me, I always wish somebody might be in a position to help me too. If um, if that happens, so it was nice, nice of the person to help help you, so yeah. you could have your good radio. Yeah, yeah. I've been in that position before. Yeah. Uh, once I was over at the Greek the Greek house, and uh, I was I didn't have enough money. Or I was, I mean, I was, I had nickels and dimes and I was doling them out on the table and to, to, to make enough change. And then this fellow comes by and, and sets a bunch of money on there for me to pay my bill and he just walked away. Huh. Yeah. See, sometimes I think people, yeah. a lot of people are, are really inclined to help if they notice something. You know, sometimes you don't notice or sometimes you think, you think after the fact, oh, I, I could have helped that person. Too bad I didn't. Too bad I didn't uh, say something, or, or do something right at the time. You know, because you, let's face it, these situations just kind of pop up. You don't anticipate that it's going to happen. And you know, yeah. if you if you see somebody who needs, whether it's a few dollars or some other assistance, I think I think most of us would really try to help. Yeah. And then there was one time where I was over at the Hacienda restaurant a few years ago, and I was paying my bill, and I ended up being short by a few dollars. And my waitress, she covered me for the rest, and her name is Olivia. Well, so that, that's nice of her. Yeah, if you're out there, thank you so much. Oh, thank you, I, Olivia. First of all, isn't that a, a lovely name? I always wish. Yeah. I wish my mom had named me Olivia. Yeah, she's just, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> It'd be weird, and I probably would have put up with a lot of, like, in the, the early days in Endwell, probably would have had to put up with a lot of, you know what? Oh, Olivia. Oh, isn't that cute? I'd say, yeah, As so. We all, we all know you're really a manly man there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at least I play one on the radio. <laughs> uh, but, I hope so. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's still... Because can you imagine on the mean streets of Endwell? I grew up on the wrong. You know me. I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. You know, it, you know Endwell had its nice places, but I grew up, I grew up on the wrong side of the track. So you you had to you had to learn things when you were young. You had to learn your survival skills in Endwell, where I grew up. Yeah, well, all I had to know about you is that you're a Democrat. So I'm not. That's the wrong side of the track. Yeah, well, it'd be be interesting. You know, some people, some people, believe it or not, actually think I'm a Republican too, and I'm neither. I've never registered for any political party, and I don't intend to. The only here's the one caveat, as far as I know, but I have to also be be crystal clear. As far as I know, I will never ever. Uh, register for a party but if it ever gets to the point say uh, for whatever reason i'm no longer working in radio and then i decide to run for something which i don't think i would ever do but you can never rule something out yeah, then I, only then would i probably enroll in a party and it could be republican it could be democrat it could be libertarian it could be conservative it could be who knows what it would be working families i don't know but again, I don't think I'll ever have to get to that point because, first of all, what you know me well enough now, Larry. What party would want me to run for anything? See what I'm saying? Well, 
But if uh, if by chance, if say, if I retire, which could probably be in another fifteen or twenty years, if I retire and I'm no longer on the radio and no longer a reporter, only then I might consider registering for a party. It was you know say to run for. Wait a uh, minute, we got to put up with you for fifteen more years. At least. <laughs> Sorry. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Sorry to burst your radio bubble, but uh, as far as I know, and, and excuse for English teachers, I ain't going anywhere. As far as I know, and again, who knows? I mean, for all I know, I might find myself canceled at 11.19. But no, I'm planning. I'm planning on the long haul because I love it. Yeah. I ran into someone yesterday afternoon after work, yeah. someone that I uh, occasionally uh, speak with in a professional and news capacity, and um, we wound up chatting a bit about life and just things we normally don't get a chance to talk about and just our future. And it's sort of like, yeah, retiring sounds good on some levels, maybe many levels, but then again, if you retire... Would you miss what you're doing now? And at the moment, if I retired, I would I would miss this. I would miss it every morning, the the talk show. I would miss being able to go out and cover news and ask people a few questions. Because if I stopped doing this as a job, I still would be curious about what's going on in the community. Yeah, that's a good thing. Well, anyway... Always a pleasure, Larry. I hope you have a great afternoon, and definitely keep in touch. I see you, my friend. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 1120 WNBF, yeah. The intention is not to go anywhere. There, that that works better for the English teachers. 607-772-1290. Bob Joseph, Binghamton Now. From the Golf Auto Studios, this is WNBF News Radio AM 1290. Also available at 92.1 FM. Save in a big way at Galt Chevrolet. Twenty-three WNBF. It's happening right now. The Town Square Media job fair is underway and will continue until two this afternoon at the Broome County Regional Farmers Market. So, if you're looking for a new opportunity, maybe you already have gainful employment but would like a new challenge, stop by the. Job fair. It's at the Broome County Regional Farmers Market, Upper Front Street, just north of Binghamton's town of Dickinson. You can help some companies, and uh, you could be uh, their next great employee. The job fair continuing until two this afternoon. It's heard on the radio. WNBF eleven twenty four. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Yeah, Vinny from Binghamton. Uh, good morning. Morning. Um. You know, I'll tell you, I, 
as I watch the news, I, I, I've said this many times, and I'll, I'll say it again. You know, what, what has happened to the Republican Party? I, um, and, and, and I think I kind of understand where the mega group came through. I, I, I consider the mega, the Trump supporters, like, that's the children of the Republican Party. And what I mean by that is Republican Party, you guys, this is your group. Whether you want to be against them and, and run somebody against Trump, this is your group. And these mega watched you. They've watched you over the years. And they, when Donald Trump, if you remember, when he was in debates, this is before he became president. When he was in those debates, I remember one thing he said in one of those um, debates. He said that George Bush never kept our country safe. And he got all those boos. That was the old party. That was the old Republican Party booing Donald Trump because he said a truth. George Bush never kept this country safe. We're all worried about these borders, and these guys flew in here and learned how to fly a plane. Didn't even know how to land, but they learned how to fly a plane on our soil. And they hijacked four planes. Now we find out it's five in one day. And we all know, and like I've said before, that was the last guy, Osama bin Laden, to bring this country together. And isn't it funny? When we asked George Bush, where is Osama bin Laden? Because he went after the wrong guy in the wrong country. And we had all those servicemen and women coming back with arms missing, hands missing, feet missing, legs missing, eyes missing. For what? For nothing. And they just turned their heads and walked away. And this is the same thing with Trump. I cannot believe he... The Republican Party, who over the years has stood for morality, has stood for, for kindness, has stood for, for godliness. This guy got done paying us, Stormy Daniels, 130000 Well, on, on one hand, it's, I mean, it, it's sad. At first, at first blush, it's really sad. But then the more you think about it, it's almost kind of funny. Because, you know, for all those decades of standing for truth, justice, and the American way, now suddenly the grand old party has turned everything that they stood for, well, not everything, but most things that they were noted for, it, it's been, it, it's topsy-turvy. It's all over, it's, it, what, it, look, say what you will about Richard Milhouse Nixon or even Spiro Agnew. They wouldn't pay Stormy Daniels off because they wouldn't find themselves in that position to begin with. That's right. And he and Richard Nixon, say what you want. But, Bob, when a Goldwater went after him and said, listen, you're going to have to get on down, all right? You're going to have to because we're not going to back it. He said, you're, I'm out of here. And he did what was right. This guy, $83 million now to some woman who he raped on the second floor of Bergdorf Goodman's, on that same Fifth Avenue, who he talked about, I could go down and shoot somebody, and you guys would still back me. The, the sad thing about the most recent, the most recent eighty-three point three million dollar assessment against the former guy, is it was totally avoidable. You know, if and I can't remember who it was. It was some commentator, one of those talking heads that David Byrne puts on cable TV, and. He said, I think Friday after the that settlement, or not the settlement, after the uh, the court, the jury decided how much money E. Jean Carroll should get because of all the lies. And the guy who was doing the commentary said something to the effect, you know, basically 
all he needs to do, and I don't like to use, I'll just say, is basically keep quiet. Just don't talk about it anymore, and you won't dig yourself in any deeper. But the problem is, as I see it, the guy can't, the guy cannot stop doing the wrong thing. Yes. I mean, even Melanie probably told him, you know, I don't know what really happened at the department store. I don't want to know. It's It happened decades ago. All I can say, my dear, is stop talking about it in public. If you want to talk about it in private with me, hey, I'll put up with it. Shouldn't have to, but don't say anything more about it in public. That's that's the biggest, if there's one thing that you need to know, don't talk about it anymore, and you won't get in any more legal trouble in this particular sector. Because Melanie can't help him in most cases, but she could have told him, just stop talking about this, period. Yep, and Bob, you know what the irony is? Do you remember the debate against Hillary Clinton? Oh, who could forget? And Donald Trump invited all those women who had all these accusations against her husband. Bill. It was sick. And he, it was yep. sick. And he called them brave. Aren't those women brave? Yeah, look now. He's mad and, oh, this is not America. No, no, Donald Trump, this is the same America. This is America, the land of the free and the home of the brave. This is the same America that you took out a full-page ad against the Central Park Five. And you were oh, that's about, another thing. And how many people even remember that? That's Very few saying. people remember the Central Park Five and the newspaper yep. ad. That alone. Talk about the death that, penalty. Yes. What a yep. shame. I mean, Look at now, them now. well, exactly. And one of them is a member of city council. Yeah. <laughs> Driving around New York City with a car, yep. apparently with tinted windows and, and Georgia plates with his family. Yep. Who yep. would have guessed? But it goes back to Bob, like I said, Republican Party. What the hell is happening, yeah. guys? What a shame. And look at them trying to get together a border. you got to start somewhere. Let's get this. The Republicans and bipartisanship. And this guy's got to put his big nose in it. He's not, even, he's not even the president. He's gone. He's just running. He should have as much power as any other Republican in country. In fact, no, he should have less because he was repudiated. He was fired. So I say other Republicans who haven't been fired from their elected post should have more power. That means members of Congress who who still are in office, they should have more power over immigration policy than a guy who was fired by the American people in November 2020. Yes. Yep. Just my thought. Thank you. That's just a thought. You know, he got fired. I can't help it. Wasn't my fault. 1131 at WNBF. Good morning. You're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, Bob. This is Martin. Hey. Hey. Martin yeah, from uh, Binghamton. Martin from the First Ward. Yes. The lovely First Ward. Yes. Um... Yes, follow up to that. You know, she was on TV last night, the E. Jean Carroll. Um, I'll get to that in a second. But there was also, before that, there was a, a former U.S. Uh, attorney that was there in the court and said that, you know, he 
the the judge, prosecuting judge, uh, had admonished. He hadn't seen anybody admonished that hard since um, Vincent Chin Jigani, the mob boss. I don't know if you remember who he was. He was the guy that acted crazy, walked around in the bathrobe around the neighborhood and stuff. Then would go in a building and then. Take the robot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot about him. He was uh as they say, he my recollection, as vague as it is, he was what they might call a colorful character. Yes, yes. And he went on for years walking around acting like, you know, cuckoo and everything. But anyway, the whole point is that he was a mob boss too. And um that um what 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 Trump has has, has become and his and his uh uh, allies, everything that you know, it's like you having uh, other people, judges like the um, Michigan governor, everybody else who are getting, or Pelosi's husband. I mean, uh, everybody is getting attacked by by his cohorts. That that this has changed so much that you know that this that's who the Republican Party is now under Trump. And but you know but Eugene Carroll was saying last night and she was on there with a uh one of her friends and one of the main jurors that um said it was great to see him cower, to see him in in court and that she was really don't you tell people no reason to fear this man anymore. There was nothing, you know, that we finally heard him and are going to continue to hurt him. And he's got so many cases coming. He's got, there's three policemen that are suing him over uh, January 6th and the PTSD and everything else. And then, of course, he's got four other trials that are pending. And so, you know, they're talking maybe a B, a billion where this guy's going to get hurt. That's where, that's how you hurt him. But, you know, it, it did. Plus, didn't, uh, shut him up so I, I heard that Tish, Tish James might still prevail and he, he might have to shut down his, uh, business empire in New York State because of Tish James. That's what, that's what the word on the street is, you know, coming soon that, uh, the Trump enterprises will have to unplug at least as far as their operations here in New York. Yes, yes. And that will hurt him. Well, he certainly is not beloved in New York State at all, you know. But um, that's about all I have to say. All right. You know, but well, you're entitled, uh, you know, you're entitled to your opinion. opinion. Yeah. No, that's opinion. okay. You know, these are facts. After what happened to me, I, I mean, I'm still a political animal, and we all are. And I'm just going to report, it's not, you know, it's an opinion, but these are facts. That's all I'm, I'm going to say. I'm not going to come up and pull anything out of my hat. All right. Uh, and, and so, you know, just the facts, please, as they say. All right. Thank, thank you for calling in. That is the story from Binghamton's First Word, making contemporary news. We've got more calls coming up. If you have a thought, I have a phone line reserved for you, 607-772-1290. Bob Joseph, WNBF. Hi, folks. WNBF live and local with Bob Joseph on Binghamton Now. Burning, keep my whole body yearning. You gotta feel confused, it's the same. 
Back to the phones we go. Leo in Endwell. Good morning. You're on the air. Morning, Bob. Um, I apologize. My uh, my call does not have anything to do with your, your previous caller. Uh, I just caught the end of what he was saying. Um, I, I had there are two reasons I, I wanted to talk to you. Uh, one is something I noticed locally, uh, and I wanted to get the word out to um, people, pedestrians predominantly. Um, I, I was driving on North Street in Endicott a couple of days ago, and um, there's a crosswalk there. It doesn't matter exactly where it is. But it's one of those protected crosswalks where you, you push a button and it indicates when you can actually cross the street. Um, anyway, what, what I saw was there was an elderly woman pedestrian walking on North Street. She went, did everything she was supposed to do and she started walking across the street. She had the, uh, had pressed the button and was with, within the, crosswalk and she almost got nailed by a driver turning onto the street that she was um, crossing and the reason I called is um, it's the same thing that they warn a lot of drivers about when you're when you're in the car that you have to constantly check your blind side when you're when you're driving, usually over your right shoulder, and she didn't do that. She assumed that she was, you know, following the lawn and walking across the street probably, and she almost got nailed by this guy. He jumped the light as soon as it changed and cut her right off. I, I've, it was very, very close. I just wanted to warn people that you, you can get lazy and rely on the lights keeping you out of trouble, and it ju- it's not the case. You got to be really careful out there. That is true. I appreciate your calling that in. Okay. The the, the other thing, and it, I just wanted to give a shout out to Gary from uh, a couple of days ago. He called in about um, the border situation, and what a um the um I read a book uh it has a particular political leaning but it's an excellent reference book on how many hands there are in the border and how much money is is being spent and uh harvested because of the way the border situation exists it's called Open Borders Incorporated or Open Borders Inc. And in the back of it, it has a list of all the people who are benefiting from it or, or different organizations. And it just blows your mind when you look at how complicated the issue is. Uh, there's, there's a lot of people that are making money off, off the border situation. And before you do anything, you know, simple as uh, photo IDs or whatever, you can't even get agreement on what the problem is because there's so many hands in in grabbing bits and pieces of the money that's that's out there dealing with the border. That's, uh, I think, accurate. Thank you for calling in. All right. Take care. Have a good day. You too. It's 1142 WNBF. 
Hi, you're on the air. What's your... Ooh, we lost one. Wait. Oh, they're back. Hi, you're on the air. What's your first name? Where are you calling from? Sean from uh, Syracuse. Morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Excellent. How are things in Onondaga County? They are well. They are well. So I just wanted to bring up in your discussion about the entity and why people shouldn't start thinking about the independent vote there. Oh, um, that Kennedy might run himself, might not be uh, Trump's vice presidential nominee? Right. All right. Well, do you think he should run as an independent candidate? Yes. All right. And I, if he I, if he does, what do you think the outcome would be? So say in November, if people can choose Donald Trump, Joe Biden, or RFK Jr., who do you think would come out on top? See, that's the thing. He's going to split the vote one way or another. Maybe he's going to split from both parties. Maybe this is the chance. I mean, let's face it, back in the day when Trump first ran, it was a big deal because American people were fed up with government and politics, and Trump came in and was going to clean out the swamp. And then obviously, nobody was going to let that happen, and it turned into a big disaster, and we're, you know, now you love him or hate him or whatever. And now I think it's time for the independent party and RFK to tell people, and you look at what his action plan is for America, that's what we're looking for. He's for the people. And I think that, yeah, he could split the vote. So there's going to be, there's going to have to be some talking to between these tough top candidate people about how it can play out and who's going to get the amount of people that Kennedy has. You know, yeah, maybe Trump's going to say, fine, you just let me run it for four years and then I'll give it to you and you be my VP. Well, it would be interesting. No, I'd. I think Trump ought to pick him to be his running mate, personally. I, I think that is a high possibility. I really do. All right. We'll see what happens because the New York Post is reporting that uh, Trump's people reached out to him. Now, who knows? Uh, it's the New York Post. I mean, and I, I didn't read the whole story. I just read the top part. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past Trump from choosing RFK Jr. just to talk about making things really interesting. And uh, I'll tell you this. If RFK Jr. is the vice presidential choice for the Republicans, if he's on the Republican ticket and Kamala Harris still is a Biden's choice, because Biden could still he still has the right to choose another running mate, but if he sticks by right. Kamala Harris, I, I'll tell you this, I'll watch that debate. I'll watch right. the debate between <laughs> RFK Jr. and Kamala Harris. I'll, oh, I'll have yeah. extra popcorn. <laughs> I'll sell tickets. They put that on pay-per-view. That'll be better than, well, oh, I don't know if it'll w, be better. W, than, whatever. Yes. <laughs> yeah, get me Vince McMahon on line two. Appreciate, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Exactly, well, he's got right, his own right? problems right now. Anyway, oh. yeah, poor, poor kid. Looks looks like that guy looks like that guy is gonna gonna have to pay millions and millions before that's all over. So it looks uh, looks like his looks like his actions may have finally caught up with him. Anyway, thank you, Sean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just you know, remember, follow the money. See where the money goes. All right. And all these situations and all these court cases 
that's being paid out. Where is all this money going? Follow it. All right. You'll find the truth. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. And there you go. That's a story from Syracuse making contemporary news. 1146, we allow everybody to call in, whether you're in the Binghamton area, Syracuse, the villages, even Northern California. We have listeners cleverly stationed all over the place. And they all are equipped with phones. Some of them very smart phones. 607-772-1290. This is Binghamton Now. On the air at 92.1 FM, 1290 AM, and always available on the WNBF app. The number to call, WNBF. Back to phones we go. Dave in Jacksonville, North Carolina. You're on the air. Yes, hello. How are you today? Great. How are things in Jacksonville? Oh, they're wonderful. It's a little kind of country uh, Marine Corps town. But uh, my name's Gabe anyway, not Dave, but Gabe. Oh, okay. But, um, Thank you. Yeah. Anyhow, um, yeah, I, I used to listen to Rush Limbaugh. I missed the guy so much. He was just uh, a pleasure to listen to when I was painting and whatnot. Was just, I loved it. But um, I, um, I'll i be very simple. I'm not real, like, I thought I'd be a little nervous calling him, but I'm really not. But um, I emailed uh, Uncle Rush, as I called him, with a, with a question I had. Um, he talked about the country being formed as a republic. And um, now my question in my email to Rush was, um, and this is kind of to your listeners to kind of think about this question, but my question to Rush is the country formed as a republic originally had um, representatives, spokespeople that went to Washington that were supposed to answer to their individual constituents. And um, I think that's the whole crux of the problem is that these spokespeople, representatives are not accountable to the people. And uh, that is the whole problem with this country is that there is no representation um, that is happening across the whole the whole gamut and i don't believe that um i like trump but i don't believe that trump can fix the problem unless um unless it goes down to the very local level of representation go to washington represent us come back and ask us what we want um what's going on in our local towns where's the accountability what's being spent the uh, citizens ought to know what's going on, and I don't believe, I believe unless there's a massive Tea Party movement, this problem will not be solved. And it's a scary situation that seems like it's going to come down to violence. And um, I wondered if, I wanted to know if you would speak to that. Uh, that's the whole issue in my in my opinion. And I was I wanted to hear what you might say about that. Okay, I'll address that. How long have you been listening to the program? Oh gosh, I've been listening. I um I drive right now for a living, but uh, I've been listening to Bongino, but uh, recently, but 
used to listen to Rush all the time. Well, I'm glad you called in. Thank you so much. Hope we hear from you again. And uh, the thing about this program that I think makes it unique is we try to allow everyone to, to call in and express their views. And hopefully people don't get too too upset with each other. If you disagree, you disagree. But I think for the most part, people people on on our program, the people who call in and the people who listen try to be civil and try to learn learn a few things, even from those Absolutely. with whom they disagree. Appreciate your call. Have a great day. Okay. Are you going to um, answer the question? or I will. Actually, ask me, uh, form a direct question. That'll, that'll make it easier for me to, to focus just in the, the, yeah, yeah. Give me a, one direct question and, I'll, and you can listen to my response. Absolutely. Um, my, my question is, how can we fix this problem of no representation? The, 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 the representatives we have are not, they're not listening to their constituents. How could this situation be possibly resolved? Stay tuned. I'll give you my answer. Thank you for calling in. So here is my response to his question. First, I think more people, many, many more people need to get involved, pay attention to what's going on. It's very important to vote, regardless of what you think about the issues, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, whether you've never registered with a party, whether you have always voted or never voted. In November, vote and don't let anybody tell you how to vote use your common sense pay attention get as much information as possible whether it's for a local race or a state race or congress or for president of the united states work to learn lots of information as much information as you can possibly get don't rely just on a radio program or just radio programs, or just cable TV, or just newspapers, or whatever, or just the Internet. Try to get information from the sources that you agree with. Try to get some information from the sources that you don't agree with. Right now, we're, I think, in a golden age as far as being able to access information. So you can, if you've got a phone, smartphone, or a computer... Use the Internet to try to get more information, but be skeptical. As I said earlier, vote as far as uh, with members of Congress or even state legislators, legislatures. Nothing against the incumbents. I actually enjoy speaking with the incumbents of each major party. I do. I enjoy asking questions. I don't I don't have anything against people who've been in office for multiple terms, but I think in the long term everyone benefits, even dare I say the office holders, even say if they don't keep getting reelected for 10, 20, 30 years. I think even in the end, even say if they decide not to run again or they don't win reelection, I think Ultimately, it would serve them good, too, to get out of government and then get back into whatever they were doing before, before they became elected, go back into the private sector. 
energized and informed with what you learned as you served gov- government. You know, I'm I'm not a big fan of seeing all the same faces all the time. Most of the time in elections, I would like to see two new candidates. I don't I know it seems inevitable that looking ahead to November, we will face a rematch between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And that's fine. If that's the way the process works, I'm okay with it, but it's not my preference. My preference is not to see a rematch when it comes to presidential elections or most any other election. I know it happens frequently. If somebody doesn't win the first time, they're certainly entitled. They have every right to try again. But these rematches, and a lot of times it seems either the same people or people who are part of the same families. And this is not to condemn or criticize any particular family, but, you know, Bushes and Clintons and, well, there are other people. You know, it just sometimes it seems, can't we get new faces, new ideas, new blood at all levels, local, state, and national New ideas, and again, nothing, I'm not against people who are old because I'm old too. Look at me, listen to me, I'm old. I keep getting older every minute, but sometimes I think everybody benefits from younger candidates with newer ideas. Anyway, that's part of the answer, or part of my opinion. I'll label it clearly my opinion. That's all the time we have for today. Don't worry. I'll be back tomorrow from 9 to noon right here on WNBF. This is News Radio 1290 AM, WNBF Binghamton. Now on 92.1 FM, W221 EJ Binghamton, a town square media.